Awesome. Well, again, good morning. Thank you for being such a great church that believes God is going to move greatly, and he is doing that, and as I'm excited about that. Listen, the church is coming along. We got, listen, after today, we have four more weeks in this place. God willing, we're done. And we're, we're moving on, moving on down to the south side. Come on, we're going. We're going a little bit further south. We're gonna. We're gonna. It's been. A, it's been a journey. It's been a wonderful time. You've been so good and so faithful in your giving. Thank you for that, and continue to do that, please, as we continue to make that journey. I'll be preaching next week about that very subject to the other side. I'm going to start a four-week series as we prepare ourselves for our next chapter as a church. So excited about that. But um, one of the things that I think you all need to know and perhaps don't know is that. You know, well, you probably do know this. Every once in a while, a pastor can get a little crazy and uh, go, go AWOL and go, go nuts. And, and so we have built into, you know, our church uh, some safeguards, and that is to have an overseer uh, over our ministry, others that um, can speak into the, uh, to this church if I go nuts and I go crazy, and uh, so for your sake and also for mine. And, um, and pa- Pastor Kemp and his wife Carol are one of them. Pastor Kemp had surgery this week and doing good. He, listen, surgery can't even stop this man from showing up on Sunday morning. That's a, that's a, he's bulletproof right there, man. Love it. One day I'm going to be just like you, Pastor Kemp. I'm going to be just like you. And uh, he's one of our overseers. And another overseer you don't, uh, you don't know and haven't met, uh, again, uh, an, another northwest Arkansas figure of a great church in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And he happened to be down here on vacation. I just found out about it about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And I found out. I said, what? He's going to be? And so I'm like, our church needs to meet this guy. I mean, I mean, he's kind of like involved with our church. I mean, in in a way. And so, so I, I I'm going to have you a welcome for us this morning, Pastor Steve Dixon from Fayetteville, Arkansas. He's going to come minister to us. Pastor Steve, would you come? Welcome you this morning to Summit Church. Yes, I am on. There you go. Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. You know, I want to just want to say real quick, I thank God for a leader that nobody will leave this place wondering, where does our pastor stand? Isn't that good? I mean, we all need that in life. We need to know exactly, and you are so blessed here. Uh, JP and Melissa, thank you guys for uh, loving us and offering the invitation to do this, and we're just honored to get to be here. And uh, Kemp and Carol Holden have been friends of ours for a long, long time, and uh, he is one of the older men in my life <laughs> that I look to for guidance, and uh, I just love these guys. We've been through a lot together, and we're blessed. We're blessed. And I tell you what, you are an inspiration to me because a church that has been tried and tested, as you have on various planes of existence, I got a good word for you. Your future looks good. Your future looks good. And the worship this morning, I'm telling you, uh, this was just incredible. The giftings in this church, the Holy Spirit is leading you into a very special place. A very special place. 
And uh, I, th I thank God for that. I thank God for that. My wife tells me anytime I go someplace, she says, sing. And the reason I guess that is because she likes my singing better than my preaching. <laughs> but anyway. So just a song, okay? Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. It's the best thing. In his arms, I feel protected. In his arms, I'm never neglected. In his arms, I feel protected. And there's no place I'd Cozy, come up here just a second, if you will. Okay? And uh, sound people will always freak out when I do stuff like this, but uh, we will both sing from this microphone right here, so that, that's okay. I want you just to say a word and sing whatever's in your heart, and I'll jump in if it works out that way. Okay? <laughs> well, okay. Thanks for letting us be here. It's a joy to always be with God's people and some of our favorite people. The Holdens, we are so grateful. And I agree with Steve, your future looks amazing. It does. And you know, I learned a lesson a few years ago that listening to God, you can hear Him whether you can speak or not. For a while, you really can. For a while, I couldn't speak. It was over 40 days that I couldn't speak. I had a medical accident and couldn't do it. And yet, God's voice was inside me, I could hear him, and I could talk to him. So whoever you are, whatever you're going through, know that God is with you. And you know, stay with him until you hear him call you beloved, because you are his beloved child. He loves you.
He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's never going to love you more, and he's never going to love you less. And that's the way he is with the people sitting next to you, whether you love them or not. He loves you. And that's all I can really say is that, listen, sometimes we must get quiet. And that still, small voice way down inside of us will speak to us and remind us, no matter what you're going through, I am with you. You are my beloved child. Trust it. This is just a prayer. I don't sing much anymore, but in this house today, O Lord, we seek your presence now. For in this house today, O Lord, I know you will somehow heal the brokenhearted. And you'll set the captive free. Speak a word of life to us that will shape our destiny. So whatever you desire to do in this house today, Lord, have your way. Her 40 days in the intensive care for seven weeks and on a ventilator for most of that time. Didn't know she'd make it. I get weepy over it because didn't know she'd ever be able to sing again. And she's getting her voice back and holding the pitches more and more every day because of the respirator and everything that she was on. But how many know God's a good God and he works everything out, amen? You hear good preaching all the time, so I'm not going to try to even compete with good preaching. I'm here to encourage you today. I'm here to encourage you to do what you, do, you can do and what every one of us can do. And it's pretty simple, just show up. Just show up. Uh, everybody can do that. It doesn't matter who we are. But everybody can show up. It was Mother Teresa who said, just show up and things will happen. That quote comes from a conversation when they're asking about the magnitude of her accomplishments. And what she said was, just show up and things start happening. I've said this to others that are looking for career situations or whatever. No matter how you feel, get up, dress up, show up, and never give up. But showing up is half the battle right there. Saying, I'm going to be there. See, the faithful show up in the word of God. We see it all the time. And they are blessed, and thus they are a blessing to others. But the reason many people shortchange the power of God in their life is because they're not willing to make themselves available or just show up when God has been doing something. And many people miss it. There's a portion of scripture that's very Interesting to me in the book of Acts, in the early days of the church, in the beginning of the church, matter of fact. And we read in Acts chapter 11, and I, I, chapter 1, excuse me, Acts chapter 1, a few verses. I'm going to take you there and show you this, and I'm going to read from the New, the New Living Translation. Verse 15, 
And during this time, about 120 people were gathered together in one place. Peter stood up and addressed them, and here's what he said. Brothers, the scripture has to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. We all know the story. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit speaking through King David. We go down to verse number 20. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalm where it says, let his home become desolate and no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. So now we must choose a replacement for Judas from among men who were with us the entire time and were traveling with the Lord Jesus from the time he was baptized by John until the day that he was taken from us. And whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph and a man named Matthias. Joseph, or Justice as we would know him in the scripture, and Matthias. They all prayed, O Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen. And as the apostle to replace Judas in this ministry, for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the others. Now, first let me just say, that is not something that we should use in Vegas to think we know the will of God on something. You, that just went right over your head, didn't it? <laughs> Casting lots. They would put names. Here they put two names on these stones and put them together. And they prayed and the Holy Spirit. It's really a picture of the sovereign will of God. And I just want to say real quickly, there are no winners and no losers in God's selection of positions. There's no winners, no losers. Are you with me? Because we see justice went on. Tradition tells us and history tells us he became the bishop over a large area and he died a martyred death. And Matthias, now the one that was chosen. These guys were part of the 72 that were called out to go from Jesus' ministry. He saw Jesus be baptized. He was there at the resurrection. Now he is here in this place in the upper room waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. He qualified. What would he doing? He just showed up. But it's interesting, he's only mentioned twice in the scripture. His name's only mentioned twice. The beautiful thing is he just showed up. I got a friend who is probably retired now as the president of Blue Cross Blue Shield Oklahoma. And somebody asked the question of him one day, how did you become the president of Blue Cross Blue Shield Oklahoma? He said, I got fired from my last job. <laughs> there are no winners and losers in the kingdom of God. Because God will do some things to move us from one place to another. Oh, I got a great one for you. Ready? I've been wanting to use this and I can do it here. This is a good example. I want to tell you I'm glad that a young man by the name of J.P. Wilson tried out to be youth pastor at a church in Fort Smith, Arkansas under Kemp Holden many years ago and Kemp didn't hire him. Hey, you get to be in on the rest of the story. I'm glad he showed up in Foley. Yeah. There's, 
We're, we're all winners in this thing. But what we can't see in the moment is how in the world could God have overlooked my talents, my gifting, whatever. He's not looking at that. He's looking at your faithfulness. And if we are faithful to show up, all of a sudden things begin to happen. They selected him because he was faithful. And then God said, I will anoint him for the task that is in hand. You see, God showed, uh, showed them what they needed in the moment. He also had for justice an assignment that was different from the apostles, but it was necessary in the advancement of the kingdom of God. Just showing up. Just showing up. I want to say three things to you that you might want to just make a note of. First of all, it's this. You are more important to God's plan than you realize. Every one of you. You're far more important to God's plan than you can possibly imagine. Even among the 12 apostles, we usually read about Peter, James, and John, and maybe doubting Thomas. But we don't mention the names of the others, but they were very, very important in the plan of God. Even though he was not mentioned, he was used of God. Do you remember how the scripture says when David was chosen, it was not David's physical stature, though we don't know much about his stature. We do know it wasn't his ability to fight or to lead that God looked at first. God was looking for someone who would be faithful in the long run. And he said, God said through the prophet, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do everything I want him to do. God selected him not because he was good with the slingshot, but he chose him because he was faithful and he had a heart after God in all things. And God used him in such a great way. God knew David would show up. That's the thing. He knew David would show up, and he had his struggles, and he had his failures. But I want to tell you, the book is not about all of his struggles and failures. The majority of the book is about his high praise to God and his intimate understanding of God because he showed up. He showed up, and he found God's grace. He showed up, and he found God's mercy. He showed up, and he found his purpose in life. And he is used as a backdrop for the purpose being fulfilled all through the New Testament and even in the kingdom to come. It is the kingdom of David that first set these things in order for us to understand the magnitude of the kingdom of God. You see, there are important people that God has placed his hand on to say, I'm going to use you for something far beyond what you see and do right now. Let me just say, your legacy is really not really realized while you're living. Your legacy is realized after you have lived your life here. So what are we leaving and what is our testimony? Our testimony is, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. And our testimony is, if I have overcome to my children, my grandchildren, my children's children, you can also overcome. The obstacles that are facing us as a nation, we prayed about it a, mom a moment ago, those kind of obstacles, the faithful of God can be seen as those who say, regardless what happens in the world, I have chosen to fix my eyes upon the promise of God and hold tight to that. 
Second thing I want you to see is this. Your impact is greater than you realize. So first, you're more important than you realize. And then I want to say your impact is greater than you realize. I thank God for the little lad that showed up with just a few loaves and a few fishes. Now, get this picture in your head. We all know that story. And Jesus, they didn't have 11 o'clock and a 9 o'clock service and opportunities for people to go and come. They just all got there and Jesus all day long kept them. As a matter of fact, he, wasn't, he really wasn't too concerned when somebody said they're hungry. He said, well, just feed them. I'm going to go ahead and teach. And uh, there was probably close to 15,000 people there. Scripture says by count 5,000 men, and they don't count the women and the children. Now, how in the world, when they are looking among them for food to feed, and the disciples even said, we would have to go out and work for a month's wage in order to feed everybody here. We can't do that. How are we going to do this? Jesus said, feed them. So they got to looking for food. The lad in a crowd of adults would have to have stepped forward and got the attention of the disciples. He couldn't be found. This is my speculation. He couldn't be found in the crowd of people. But the lad probably stepped forward and said, this is all I got. Doesn't that sound like a kid? I mean, and we scoff sometimes at that and say, what in the world are you saying that for? That's not going to help at all. And they were probably making fun of him. But I can see the excitement because he knows they're looking for what he's got. And the little guy, this is what I got. Amen. You know, I'm glad he showed up. Amen. Because the trajectory on God multiplying little and making it much, we derive a lot from that story where this boy just showed up and gave what he had. It doesn't matter how much you have to offer. It doesn't matter your past that you may think has disqualified you to say, can I even be used? No, little becomes much and messes become miracles <laughs> in the hands of God. If we just show up and we're willing to say, here it is. Let me give you another example. Not only of the little guy when he placed it in the master's hand, but think of the widow woman that we see in the scripture. Mark's gospel speaks of it in chapter 12, and I really like this. Let me read this to you. Jesus sat near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowd dropped in their money. And many rich people put in large amounts. Can I say offerings would go up in the church if Jesus would sit by the that's just a thought right there. Okay, I'll go on. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins, just pennies. And Jesus called his attention of the disciples and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, this poor as she is, has given everything that she has to live on. Now God saw what man overlooks. Man sees those that have plenty, but God sees those that have little that is given in a sacrificial way. Why? Because the big gifts in the temple, 
that people noticed probably is what they were watching, but yet their evaluation was completely off because the widow's two mites added up to pennies according to man's tabulation. But Jesus said that she had given more than anyone else. How could it possibly be when rich people are throwing large amounts in? You see, the rich were giving large sums, but they still retained their fortunes. The widow put in everything, all she had to live on. Now here's the deal. Her gift was a true sacrifice. And the rich had just and, and the rich had not begun to give to the level of her sacrifice. It took courage. I, I, like, I see pic, in pictures a lot, a lot. It took courage for her to walk to that receptacle and put in widow's might when others around her are putting in large amounts. She could have even talked herself out of giving her little, but it was a lot to her. It takes courage to walk up and do what God has given you to do when others may be doing something that is seen by others and it seems to be celebrated more. I really, I guess it's just a good place to say this as a pastor. I'm sorry that in the body of Christ we have highlighted those that can give more over those that give sacrificially of what it is they have in their hands to God. Oh, but pastor, we need the large gifts. We need the large gifts and we need the sacrificial small gifts. But more than the large gifts, we need the sacrificial gifts. And I'm not taking an offering here. I'm just telling you there's more to it than money because the attitude of giving right here goes into hospitality, generosity to kindness in every regard. It's going to change the game when we say what I have is all that I have. And I give it completely to God. I am glad she had courage to show up. I'm glad she had courage to participate when others were being recognized. But she was not. But you know what? She got the attention of Jesus. And Jesus set her up as the prime example so that money does not become the God of our life. And that our little becomes much when it's multiplied into the hands of the Lord. She, I am so grateful to God she showed up. Much of my message over these last, next year be 50 years of ministry. I know I don't look at, you know, I'm, I, turn, I, I, I turned 67 yesterday. I tell people sometime when they ask how old I am, I tell them I'm 77. So they'll say I look good for my age, you know. <laughs> But a lot of my ministry over the years would be altered if it wasn't for a little ad showing up. The message, the attitude of the message. My message would be changed if it wasn't for the widow who showed up with the little bit. Because God is looking for someone that will just show up in faithfulness and be the person God has called them to be. Praise God. God loves a cheerful giver. Praise God. 
Wow. I'm about to preach myself happy. I need to stay with my notes right here. I'm glad she showed up. Now I want to say the third thing. You have more power than you realize. You have more power than you realize. We have the power to forgive and thus live in forgiveness. We have the power to bless <laughs> and thus to be a blessing. If you want to remember anything I say, this has been on my heart the last 30, 60 days in such a real way. Every day it's, it, it's, it's entered into my prayer. It's entered in my conversation. It's just simple. Here it is. Blessings open, curses close. Blessings open doors, curses close doors. Romans chapter 12, verse 14, just a couple of verses. On. If someone mistreats you because you're a Christian, don't curse them. Everybody say, don't curse them. Pray that God will what? Bless them. Don't curse them. But bless them. Oh my goodness. I know a lot of folks today that are just so angry they feel it's the righteous thing to do to curse people. We bless. And if that was disturbing enough, look at what Jesus said to us in Luke chapter 6. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. I say to you who hear. That goes back to what Cozy said. A lot of people are not listening. But I say to you that here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Blessings open doors. Curses close doors. Don't let your prayer life be entangled with a time of cursing. Cursing people, cursing things, pray a blessing. Matter of fact, it's a good discipline on our part. If we don't like the guy, start blessing him and you'll start liking the guy. <laughs> oh, but I disagree with that. Start blessing them in the name of Jesus because the word tells us to and watch the tide change. First in us, do I expect it to change in them? That's in the hands of God. But me, I want to start my, my walk in the day by taking the planks out of my own eyes so I can see clearly the opportunity that God wants to avail himself of, of ministering grace to everyone. And I close the door on it when I curse them. I believe that this church is at the beginning of something very special something great, just as the church was in the beginning, in the days when Matthias showed up. Now I want to get back to Matthias in closing here. We serve a God who opens blinded eyes and turns shepherd's staffs into serpents, and he brings light out of darkness and life out of death. And I want to encourage you just to show up into all the things that God is doing. I want to show you where Matthias is again in the scripture. Revelation 21. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of the heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like precious stones, like jasper, as clear as crystal. 
And the city walls were broad and high with 12 gates guarded by 12 angels. And the names of the 12 tribes of Israel were written on the gates. And there were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The eternal city of God has Matthias' name etched in one of the foundational stones. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? There's something to this. In the Old Testament, we had the tribes. We have the expansion of God in the world through those tribes. But then we have in the New Testament covenant, the apostles that God raised up to take this message boldly. And they even gave their life, some losing their heads, some of them dying at the stake, whatever it might be. They gave their lives. But what we do see is they have been put in the new kingdom in a foundational element, supporting. Oh, you're not getting this. Are you getting this? I told you there's no winners or losers in this thing. And though our name may not be listed in all of the things and the events and people are celebrating, if we're faithful, I promise you, there is a foundational element in your faithfulness to God that he can build on and do something with that will have eternal value. Your sons, your daughters, your children's children, if we are faithful to show up, if we're faithful to tell them, I love you regardless what the world says about you, I bless you in the name of Jesus. I got to read the other day. We've all got it bookmarked in our, in our minds, in our hearts. It is part of who we are. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, and I, I ran across it and I looked at that and I've read it so many times, but all of a sudden, one writer in a devotional said something to me that just captured my heart. He said, don't overlook the word so. It could have said God loved the world and gave his only begotten son. But how in the world do you measure the fathomless love of God? So, so, God so loved the world. Now, the reason it got my attention is because every one of my grandchildren, I have looked them in the face when they would be still and young enough to let me look them in the face. <laughs> And hold their cheeks in my hand and look in their eyes and say, do you know that Pops loves you? And I've caught myself doing it. I love you so. I know that looks goofy, but how many of you are goofy enough you do that too, huh? I love you so much because I don't know how to express what I'm trying to say so they would understand, but I hope they get it. I want to tell you, God's crazy about you. <laughs> he loves you so much. Amen. And you have a plan. He has a plan for you and a purpose for you to fulfill. And it is foundational in the whole operation of the kingdom of God. Because it will minister not only to your family, but to your neighbors, to your community. 
and it will be a light in darkness. It will be your testimony, your testimony. I love these, these ladies sitting on the front row right here. I asked the question when I walked in, the seats were turned backwards, and I thought, is that a protest group that's going to sit here this morning while I'm preaching, or what's going on? But can I give you a good word here? The Revelation puts it this way. There's two things, not only in the tribulation saints, but there's two things all through the Word of God that really, really matter. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And can I tell you, look at this this way. It's put up there in that supreme place of importance next to the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb is what redeems our life. But I want to tell you what draws others into that redemptive flow is the word of our testimony. Absolutely. And it is pivotal. It is foundational in the big picture of the kingdom of God. Oh, how important you are to God. Mom, don't lose your voice with your daughter and with your son. Dad, don't lose your voice with your, with your children. Even if they take a prodigal journey, I'm learning about prodigal journeys. If they've been raised in the faith, all they're doing is trying to personalize their own faith because they can't live yours. But they have to have an encounter. And the prodigal came to his senses. There's a time they'll come to their senses. Don't lose your voice. It's foundational. Be faithful. Show up. Stand on the porch with the light on. Have the fatted calf ready and know that the ring's been polished and you just got the robe out of the dry cleaners because you're anticipating Junior coming home. In the name of Jesus, show up in faith. Show up in love. Show up in forgiveness. Show up and bless and not curse. And watch what God does in your life. I sense the Holy Spirit speaking in this house right now. I, I want every, I haven't done something like this in a long time. If, if you're okay with this, I don't want to embarrass anybody. But I want every person in this house that you have a member of your family that is walking in that prodigal journey right now. I want to pray for you. Stand up if you'll do it. Every person in this house that's got somebody, a family member that's walking in that. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I just, we just put ourselves in agreement right now. Father, your great grace is far greater than we can comprehend <laughs> because you love us so much. And may we have a sense of assurance today that you love them so much that you're going to intervene. God, we pray, if necessary, build a hedge of thorns around their life. Like you did in the scripture with Hosea, when he said, I could have walked Gomer through the streets of the city and shamed and cursed her, but he chose to bless her. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray a hedge around our children, our spouses, our children's children in the name of Jesus. And may they have that moment, that epiphany where they come to their senses, turn to you in the name of Jesus. And we put ourselves in agreement. Father, from this day on, will we not curse where they are, but we will bless them in spite of where they are. God, give us the words to speak through the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be bold enough to pray right now and forgive us if we have closed the door 
to them when you have wanted us to keep the door open in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, for the glory of God, we do give praise. In the name of Jesus. And Father, may we start to anticipate a good word, a good sign, something, something very quickly to continue the encouragement of putting them in your hands. Everybody stand with me, if you will. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for its pastors. Thank you for its leaders. Thank you, Father, for the place you are leading this church because you have a plan. You have a plan and a purpose for this body. <laughs> oh, God, I just see it in the spirit right now that it's a house of worship and a house of teaching where some of those prodigals that we're praying for are going to sit in the midst of the worship, are going to sit in that place of receiving. In the name of Jesus, thank you for what you're doing. And now we ask in the name of Jesus, Father, that every need in this house will be met. All the means to accomplish all that you have asked us to do for your glory will be given so that you can receive the glory and we can accomplish great things in this region and around the world for the glory of God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we bless you in Jesus' name. And now help us to bless others in the wonderful name of Jesus. We do give praise. Can everybody say amen to that? Praise God. Yeah, hey, come on, give God a hand. Pastor, bless the Lord. Bless you. Hey, bless you. Come on, can we thank Pastor Dixon just one more time for that word? Amen. Hey, before you go, just want to just take a minute. If you wouldn't mind, you just maybe close your eyes in this moment, bow your heads. And as Pastor Dixon just said, I believe the Spirit of God is here today. And, and I believe if you could just see in the Spirit, what you would see as he was just talking about was the Father running to prodigals. The Father runs to prodigals. And maybe you're here today and you say, that's me. I've, I've come to my senses and I want to give my life to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be safe. Come on, that's the promise of God. Amen. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if that's you, you know, I, I don't think it's just about words we say or a hand that's lifted, but I think it does something in our heart when we do it. If that's you, you just say, I'm coming home today. Maybe you can just lift a hand with no one looking around and say, I want to come home. Come on, I see your hand. You can just put it up and then just put it right back down. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. The Father from heaven is running to you right now. And I'm coming home. Come on, you don't have to say this out loud. You can just say it in your own, own heart. Just say something like, God, I give you my life today. I give you my life. I run to the open arms of a loving Father who so loves me, who so loves me. God, I repent of my sins, and I want to be led by your Spirit. I give my life to you, and I follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, everybody said, can we just give Jesus one more shout of praise today? Amen. Amen. What a great word. What a great word. How many would say, I'm going to show up? Amen.
I'm going to show up. I may not have a lot in my hands, but I'm going to show up in the name of Jesus. Hey, I'm going to ask our prayer teams to come. If you'd like prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you today. We're not in no hurry. We will stay and pray as long as we need. Before you go, I just want to say this blessing over you today from Numbers chapter 6. Say it with me. Can we do that? Say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Love you, church. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.